Good morning. You are tuned to KBBI Homer AM 890. This is the coffee table. June is Pride Month, so we have some representatives to talk with us. Here in the studio, I have, pronounce your name for me, your last name, Abby. Ferrer. Let's see. Would help if the microphones were on. Let's try that again. <laughs> uh, Ferrer. So Abby Ferrer. And what is your title? I am the Community Navigator at South Peninsula Behavioral Health Services. Also joining us in the studio is Jane Dunn. Can you introduce yourself? Hi, sure. Yeah, I'm Jane Dunn. I um, am the co-director of programming for Choosing Our Roots for the Kenai Peninsula. Great. And then on Zoom, we will see if this works out. Hopefully. Can, can you guys hear me on Zoom? Um, how about a verbal confirmation? Yes, yes, we can. Thanks. So who am I talking to now? Hey, uh, this is Lady C. I use she and her pronouns, and I'm the youth program coordinator at the rec room, um, as well as a member of the Pride Committee. And I have one more guest. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Good morning. My name is Jarena Reed, and I am a member as well of the Homer Planning, I'm sorry, Homer Pride Planning Community. We can't even talk this morning yet. Maybe later. <laughs> Homer Pride Planning Committee. Thank you. So I want to remind the listeners that you can call in the station with any questions or comments at 907-235-7721. You can also email me. My name is Desiree, that's D-E-S-I-R-E-E -E -E at kbbi.org. So I wanted to start out, uh, everyone knows about all the celebration. well, maybe they don't know about the celebrations going on during Pride Month, but first I wanted to start off with some serious sort of questions and just kind of ask about if there's any resources for queer youth in this community. Well, this is Jane, I will go first. Um, so I work with an organization called Choosing Our Roots, and the goal with our, pro our program is to provide host homes for queer youth who are experiencing homelessness. So I work with youth ages 13 to 24, and um, we try to find host homes and volunteers with um, homes who, or, sorry, folks, who can provide a safe and secure home for our, que our queer youth, and also just providing basic necessities to um, young people who are experiencing homelessness and instability. What happens after they turn 25, after they're past 24? <laughs> well, the goal is that when they're in our program, we are providing them with not just some resources in a host home, but we're also helping them get stabilized so that they can be independent and um, move into more permanent housing. And throughout their time in our program, um, we also introduce them to other organizations around our community, around the state, and get them involved with lots of, um, you know, LGBTQ plus uh, programs that can help support them throughout their lives. And is this a program specific to the LGBT community, or is it homeless youth in general? Well, our, our focus is on LGBTQ plus youth because they are a, a significantly at-risk population um, that is very common that um, queer youth uh, find themselves experiencing homelessness uh, because of circumstances in their home lives. Maybe they aren't uh, feeling safe in their home because once they came out, they weren't welcome to stay in their home. 
Are there any statistics about how many people in our community are are LGBTQ plus um, people that are experiencing homelessness or around the state? Are these sort of data points that we know? I don't know. That is a great question. <laughs> um, I just started with this organization at the end of January, so um, I don't have that information. I know that um, homelessness in general is a very significant problem, um, well, statewide right now, that we have a severe lack of housing in general. Um, and yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Does anybody else have any data on that? I have a couple of not so fun facts, uh, statistics wise, about people in Alaska and the state generally. I think this is from the state. 26% um, of gay teens who came out to their parents or guardians were told they must leave home. Um, uh, yeah, and just generally, we know that LGBTQIA plus people are way overrepresented in homeless populations and are much less likely to be able to find um, safe shelter. Uh, be it because their gender identity isn't welcome there, uh, they can't be in the housing that they, that is their gender, um, or because in places like Alaska, a lot of our rural communities don't have shelter. So hard, hard facts will be good, but we know that they're overrepresented. Lady C, do you know if this is something that's unique to Alaska? How does Alaska stack up with other states? You know, I'm not sure how we stack up to other states, but I know that Alaska has a lot of systemic issues when it comes to access in general um, with mental health or housing. So I'm sure that like many other data points nationwide, we are probably really high up there. We're already really high for suicide. And we know that um, queer youth, 45% um, of queer youth have seriously considered suicide in the past year. So um, and that's data from the Trevor Project, who has amazing data, if you're curious about hearing or looking at more of that. So I would say I'm sure it's pretty high, um, considering being here. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I actually meant to ask that to Jarena. I'm having trouble with the, the Zoom and figuring out where everything is. But um, Jarena, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I do. Um, first, I wanted to say thank you to, to Lady C for mentioning that because um, of course, now that I unmuted, I can't remember what I was gonna say. The awareness that, sorry guys, I'm just a little nervous. I haven't been on the radio in a whole year. It's okay. <laughs> Rena, you have an excellent radio voice. You've got this. Thank you. I used to be a secretary. The kids called it that, my secretary voice. <laughs> um, can you repeat what you said, Sierra? Maybe that will help me about the last part of what you said. Um, I said 45% of queer youth, LGBTQ plus youth have seriously considered attempting suicide in the past year. We don't have a lot of specific Alaska data just because of our state in general for a lot of reasons. Um, right, that's what it was. And you mentioned yeah. the Trevor Project and that's what yes. I wanted to thank you for was making sure that any um, youth that are out there that need resources, that the Trevor Project is a great, place to start and get some resources at in a um, online format so that if you're not comfortable being heard at home and things like that. Thank you. Thanks. Um, so I'm wondering also, you know, um, 
you had said, Jane, that there were resources uh, for homeless, homeless queer youth. I don't know if you actually went into specifics of like what those uh, resources are. Is it housing? It's housing. Uh, is it, you know, sh- you have shelter, is it food? Is it like, um, are there other support systems? Yeah. Um, we do as much as we possibly can to meet the needs of our young folks where they're at. Um, it really depends on uh, what they're needing. So uh, basic needs are, you know, obviously the most important right away, making sure people have food and they're in a safe place. Um, of course, yeah, other basic needs as well, um, the ability to, to bathe, the ability to um, get clothes that, that are gender-affirming clothing. So those are things that we're obviously going to help out with, um, getting people onto Medicaid and um, food stamps as soon as possible. And then ideally we have, like, in the future, we're hoping to have, like, a whole collection of people who are ready to host youth. Um, right now we just had our first um, host and youth match on the Kenai Peninsula. So that's actually really exciting. We have, you know, a hosted youth with a safe, in a safe home that we, you know, checked out and did all the background checks with them. Um, and so until they can get into a safe home, we try to find a place for them to be uh, temporarily. You know, sometimes that is what we call social hosting that, you know, a lot of folks do this. And this is also part of the reason why a lot of people don't realize why youth homelessness is, is as prevalent as it is but that you know, somebody will have stepped up and said, you know what, you can stay with me until we figure out whatever. Um, so it might be their friends, you know, parents agree to let them stay with them or something like that. And so if that's the case, um, we try to see if maybe that social host is willing to become a host and do all the background checks with them. And if that's not the case, we still try to make sure that the person that they're staying with has the supports that they need to keep that young person safe and fed um, until we can get them into a verified you know, background checked um, home. And um, yeah, so I mean, basically we're gonna like try to get as much as we can for them so that they are safe and stable. Um, we do have, like I said, gender affirming clothing. We have, you know, binders and those kind of things to um, help out um, and connecting them with mental health resources if they need that. Whatever their basic needs are, we try to connect them with those things until we can get them into permanent housing. We do have grants if they're able to stay in a hotel by themselves that we can get them into temporary shelter in a hotel. Um, so that's also an option. Is there anything, any resources in schools here for, um, for people? Yeah, actually my, my job prior to this was working for the school district um, as the homeless liaison. So the school district does a lot of very similar things. They um, get um, unhoused youth and families um, those base, same basic resources, they don't have the ability to get them into any kind of temporary or permanent housing, but they do a lot of those wraparound basic services. Um, and if they're in school, they get them free lunch um, and free breakfast and clothes and hygiene supplies. Yeah. So this is a little bit off topic, but you know, me and Abby were talking earlier and I realized the language that I was using, you know, I would use the word gay, but, you know, the community is a broad spectrum. I guess I'm wondering if we could just talk about and clarify, like, different um, sexual and gender identities and, like, what those terms mean. Anyone can talk on this one, probably. (laughs) I think um, the term queer 
to the best of my knowledge, came about, was kind of reclaimed several years ago uh, by members of the community who didn't want to identify specifically with any one of those LGBT letters. I don't think there was even Q like five or 10 years ago. So queer is supposed to be this all-encompassing, um, it could mean something about your gender identity, it could mean something about your sexual identity, it could mean that you don't have a gender or a sexual identity. Um, I think most, eh, I don't wanna generalize, but most of the people that I know who identify as some aspect of the LGBTQIA community are comfortable with the term queer. But like we were talking about, that kind of does forget um, a lot of those more specific and vulnerable identities. Like we know trans people are way more likely to also attempt suicide, um, experience homelessness, uh, not be able to access trans healthcare. So I think it is important to remember that there are these other identities within the queer umbrella that are more likely to experience um, systemic harm than the others. But queer, generally, to answer your question, I think is a safe bet. <laughs> There's a really. That. Oh, go ahead, Drina. Sorry. Sorry. I agree that um, the take back of that word, I've, growing up, I heard queer as like a negative um, label. And finding more and more people currently taking pride in using the word queer. And I wanted to roll back just a little bit and um, describe the difference between um, gender and sexuality as orientations, because I think some people listening might not know that there is a separation there. And recently I started hearing um, the term gender and sexually diverse as a way to label queer people as well, um, to try and include the varying degree of the rainbows of people that there are that may not like certain parts of the word. So I wanted to share that as well. Um, I really love that. I really love that. <laughs> gender and queer diverse, Trina? Uh, yep, gender and sexually diverse. Oh, gender and sexually. That's awesome. So uh, Lady C, did you have any further comments? Um, on resources, I can comment on, I can definitely do that. So I'm coming from I'm wearing my hat as the youth program coordinator. So I run an after school program that's a free drop in space for youth 12 to 18. Um, we're located right across from the center, actually. Um, and we serve all youth, but it seems that lately we've been serving a lot more queer youth because a lot more queer youth in the state of Alaska need more support. So um, similar to like Jane, I mean, we don't provide queer youth with housing or have host families, but we are a safe space after school for youth to be themselves and express themselves authentically. Um, and we also have, you know, binders and gender affirming clothing, um, bras, accessories. I also have food that is um, open in the kitchen for them. We have um, access to menstruation products and condoms and all sorts of things for youth to access. Um, also, like they're able to hang out with their peers that are just like them. And we know that that is super affirming and a huge protective factor. They also have um, incredible access to safe and trusted adults who are also affirming of who they are. 
recently on Friday, we had a huge party that was funded by ANDVSA at the Spark. It was called Come As You Are, um, which was a kind of kickoff into Pride Month for youth to come as they are and be their true authentic selves in a really safe space. So um, we were able to take over the Spark and have a bunch of crazy lights and dance around. We had a local DJ volunteer their time. Abby was there volunteering too. Um, and we had all sorts of resources and food and we had a little tent for people with a little makeshift changing room for them to like play around and feel safe. That bedazzling station run by another awesome local, uh, Annie Gray, who's super, super cool. So I'd say the rec room is definitely like a hub. Um, so if you're a youth in Homer and you are questioning or don't feel safe, I'd say come by the rec room and we can definitely connect you with someone like choosing our roots and Jane or Jarena or another safe, trusted adult for you. And if I could just highlight something that uh, Lady C said that I think is super important. Um, it is great for queer youth to have those spaces to interact with their peers. Um, but like Lady C is saying, providing a space with safe and trusted adults, specifically queer safe and trusted adults, is really important when we talk about representation among young queer people because, and I'm sure we're gonna get into a larger conversation about representation, but in the media for a long time, queer characters have faced just tons of trauma and pain, and that is an aspect of the queer experience, but we don't really see them flourishing and thriving and living full diverse lives. So being able to identify people like Lady C and T and adults who are like out in the community and really representing their queerness in a way that demonstrates their success as like happy, healthy humans, I don't think the importance of that can be overstated. And I'm just really glad we have spaces like that for young queer people in the community. So, excuse me, I have a kind of not feel good question, but I feel like I have to ask it. Um, you know, we're talking about how teens might be rejected by their families. And I'm wondering, Lady C, if you have experienced any negative blowback from parents for doing what you do. Um, that's kind of an intense question. I don't think it's a negative question. I think it's just a little bit personal, but I'm a pretty personal person. So I feel comfortable sharing that, um, I was raised in a Christian background and that I didn't really truly get to discover who I was or understand all the things that I was feeling until I was a teenager. And I actually was working at the rec room at the time. Um, so I was surrounded by people who were affirming of me and um, my questioning and didn't ask questions and just let me be. Um, and then when I felt safe enough to share that with family, I did, and it takes time for people. I mean, I personally identify as pansexual. So that's a term that people have kind of struggled to understand. And it's kind of, um, like as Drina was saying, it's just quite the spectrum, right? Like things are so diverse. And so we as humans try to put things in boxes a lot of the time and make sense of things and binary them. And it's just not that simple. And humans are way more complex than that. But I would say that I've had quite a bit of support from family and in what I do. I'm, my family is local here and they support me indeed. So I guess in, in talking to people, I would want to know, you know, what is a way to maybe ask somebody about their preferred pronouns or about how they um, identify? 
I think that's a really great question. It's good. It's better to be mindful than it is to pretend that uh, gender identity doesn't exist at all. Um, the sort of phrase that I like to use is just, what are your pronouns? Um, what pronouns do you use? Sometimes you'll be in a space where people will lead with their pronouns, and so that kind of gets the ball rolling. I wouldn't say it's so much something you would ask if you, you know, meet someone in the grocery store because you guys have the same item in your cart. It's not like, hey, what's your name and what are your pronouns? But if you're hanging out, <laughs> I guess, um, it takes a little bit of practice to sort of get into the habit of asking, but it lets that person know that you're interested in them. You want to respect them and honor them and who they're showing up as. Um, and I will note, not to rag on you, Des, because it is tricky and it changes all the time, but um, I think we're sort of getting away from the term preferred pronouns because for some people that suggests an invalidity. Uh, for some people it's not a preference. It's that is who they are, and to be called by another pronoun is... Uh, deeply uh, hurtful and offensive. So it's not that asking for someone's preferred pronouns is bad. We're just, you know, constantly as a community and as a culture evolving and changing. And that's sort of the new, new turn phrase. I'm learning new language every day. <laughs> Isn't it fun? I love it. Yeah. You know, I like to yeah, think it of it. Super fun. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say, I like to think of it kind of like, you know, if you meet somebody who, I don't know, let's say their name is Robert. And, you know, you may ask, I mean, you could just keep calling them Robert with the assumption of like, well, that's what's in their paperwork. So I'll keep calling them Robert, which you could also ask, do you go by Robert, Rob, Bob, what's your, what name do you go by? And I think we can do the same sort of thing with pronouns. Um, I'm kind of starting to get myself personally into the habit of more leaning to using they, if I'm not sure. Um, but it's also, Abby was kind of alluding to this, that sometimes it's like, if you're in a public setting and you ask somebody what their pronouns are and they aren't really sure yet, um, it can be kind of a way to out them without them being ready to declare, I am this. Um, so yeah, if I think if you're going to ask somebody specifically what their pronouns are, it might be something that you would do, you know, more privately. Um, but you know, until then you can try to just refer to them by their name. <laughs> or how about this? Uh, Hi, my name is Desiree Hagen. I use she, they pronouns or yep. she, her pronouns Absolutely. or whatever. Yep. If you lead with it, mm -hmm. it's easier to follow. For yeah. Sure. You open the space without okay. putting on pressure. Some people might not feel comfortable to share out loud like that, though. I love that. And that is like the world I want to strive for. And I do that. But some people aren't ready to do that. And so sometimes a nudge or just a genuine caring way of asking is um, a good route too. At the rec room, we have pronoun sheets for them to fill out voluntarily. And it's like, they just put it on my desk and I just <laughs> take a look at it. And we don't even have to like talk about it. We don't want to talk about it on the sheet. It's like, do you want to have a follow-up conversation with me? Is it safe for me to use these in front of community members, your family? Like we kind of have like a little checklist. So oh, that's, that's another, that's an indirect way that we do it. Um, but some people even have like pronoun buttons Let's talk about pride. We're gonna make pronoun buttons at pride at the rec room table. Ooh, so that's awesome. another great way to kind of signal. Yeah, so I agree. Um, Go ahead. I'm sorry, I just wanna follow up on what Lady C was saying that the importance of feeling recognized in a safe way. And statistically, we know that trans youth are the most at risk to follow through on suicide attempts. And um, as a mother of two gender diverse children, who have both struggled heavily in that realm of mental health. 
I can tell you as a parent, it's hard to find the resources that you need to know how to help, to know how to be a support system. And so any, I just wanted to kind of like reach out and say, you know, any family member out there, if you see somebody struggling in depression, you don't know what's going on, you know, uh, reach out your hand and offer to try and bridge that gap because so many of our youth are struggling in a way to find acceptance at home. And the first thing we can do is to find out how to validate where they're at and, and um, use the pronouns that make them feel validated, mm-hmm. comfort, com- you know, comfortable, um, visible, and accepted. Because that is the number one piece of that puzzle for um, people struggling with suicidal ideation is that connection piece. And if we all make just an extra effort even if it's not your close family, to reach out a hand that we can all carry each other together. Yes, Jarena. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and we also know that um, 82% of LGBTQ plus youth have wanted access to mental health care and weren't, and 60% of them weren't able to get it. Mm-hmm. So like using affirming pronouns and like being a safe space is the first step to reducing that risk. Um, because as I mentioned earlier in Alaska, we have a really hard time accessing that sort of care. So those are the little micro things that we can do that actually are quite macro. Yeah. And like you said, in the mental health sector, it's really important that if people show up uh, to seek mental health care, that they're able to be themselves and have all aspects of themselves validated. Um, There are a number of providers in Homer that specifically work with queer and questioning youth. Um, I know the folks at Sea Sparrow Counseling. Um, Kim and Irene are really great with queer young people. There's someone at the center named Jen Gibson. Um, and the center, just a quick plug, uh, is the only provider in the area that accepts Medicaid. Um, we do have a sliding scale. And it's a really great place for folks uh, to come. You can try out different therapists. And I think that's something that's really important, especially uh, for young folks who are, like Jarena said, um, gender and sexual- sexually divergent. Um, to be working with someone that makes them comfortable and affirmed and seen. Um, so I think we're trying to beef up those resources in Homer, but we already have a pretty solid start. So I wanted to make sure that I talked about, um, one specific group and that's, um, trans people. And I wanted to know, you know, Sierra, you had talked about, um, the rec room provided gender affirming clothing. Um, but I'm wondering if there's other resources for people seeking, you know, hormonal therapy or other sort of resources like that. If anyone can answer that question. I know Dr. Sorry, (laughs) Dr. Robin Holmes, um, I think is kind of new to him or she's back. She was away for a while. She is, uh, again, to my knowledge, the only medical provider in town that works with people who are seeking uh, testosterone hormone therapy. Um, I believe that there is somebody who works with other trans folks, but I can't remember their name. But yeah, Dr. Robin Holmes, I I think, is a good resource. I have some other resources. Um, Outside of, they're located in Anchorage. However, they do do telemedicine. 
and it's through the Identity Health Clinic. It's full spectrum is what they used to be called. And um, they are now identity. They're part of um, that organization. And they are available to um, help with counseling as well as um, HRT services. And they're new that just opened right Drina, like this past year and it's been a huge success and identity needs a lot of support right now so if you are able um, check out their website and figure out how you can donate to them because they're um, definitely an agency in the state of Alaska that's really doing the work it's kind of similar to choosing our roots like they are just so spread across the state and doing the best that they can they also have safe spaces for elder queer or elder um, LGBTQ plus people as well online they have a ton of different like scheduled zooms and stuff for people to connect across the state if they don't have that in their um, town so yeah it's pretty incredible. And Robin Holmes, yes, you're right, Abby. She um, is a part-time provider at Catchmack Bay Family Planning Clinic, but I don't believe she's doing it at Catchmack Bay Family Planning Clinic. She's doing it um, elsewhere. Okay, so I just wanted to take a second to remind the listeners that you're listening to The Coffee Table. It's Pride Month, and that is the topic. Um if you have any questions, you can call up the station at 235-7721-907-235-7721, or you can email me at Desiree at kbbi.org. So I did want to talk about Pride Month and what's happening in the community this month. Wink, wink, Tarina. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just a little, uh, I have to reach my button here. Uh, so we are excited to announce that we are doing Juneteenth and Homer Pride together this year. We're doing a walk for Joint Liberation Celebration. It's our an annual community pride walk. Saturday, June 18th, we're going from 12 to 3. We'll be walking from the Herc to the WKFL Park. And then at the park, again, we'll have some vendors available Um there and in the bottom of the high school parking lot if we get enough vendors we're going to walk from her the herc at 12:15 along the pioneer avenue and then have that party thereafter we'll have some um, music going maybe a um, couple different performers some food vendors are a possibility that i've heard are going to be pretty awesome and um you know, we merged the event for Juneteenth and Homer Pride uh, in request to our community because we have such a small diversity in the Homer area and putting on events require a lot of volunteer time. And we have a very small um, collaboration of, of a group that puts on these events. And we wanted to strive to be inclusive and in understanding the overlapping intersections of oppression that we face. And um, so every year, June 19th is when slavery, the ending of celebrate, they celebrate the ending of slavery. And um, I just think it's important that we take a moment to make sure the inclusivity, like the intersection 
getting tripped over my words, guys. Sierra, do you think you can take over? <laughs> yeah, I totally can. So we're merging Juneteenth with Pride because um, I think what Drina was trying to say is lack of diversity, right? Like me as a um, white woman, like it is my obligation to understand what Juneteenth is. Um, so we are celebrating June 19th, the official ending of slavery in the U.S. Um, uh, to reach, there was like a small amount of enslaved slaves in Texas that were still not liberated after the proclamation, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. So Juneteenth is the actual day that acknowledges that delay um, and is observed as a day of pride and reflection. So Juneteenth actually sits directly in the middle of LGBTQ plus Pride Month, which was established in 1969 to commemorate the Stonewall Uprising. So the Stonewall riots were incited by black and brown drag queens and trans women as a reaction to police violence. So there's a huge intersection and overlapping here. And we know that we need to uplift and celebrate those black and brown trans um, and drag queen people who really kind of pushed forward queer liberation in a way that hasn't been hadn't been done. And so we recognize that and want to lift that up and share that narrative with people who might not know that. Um, and so in the particular way, let's see, uh, let's see. Yeah, so both of the celebrations are an important milestone for black and LGBTQ plus liberation. Um, so by commemorating important days in our history, it helps us stay educated about the country's mistakes and otherwise those mistakes end up happening again. So the fact that so many people are aware of pride but don't have the same energy for Juneteenth reflects the role of white supremacy in the structure of this country. And we want to create a conversation around that and talk about it um, and acknowledge it. Um, and there's also kind of like history of a deliberate anti-blackness that occurs in pride. And so our goal is to kind of create change by focusing on the necessity to be inclusive and intersectional um, and welcoming and to have a joint liberation celebration. So what is the, the day of the actual Homer event? I think I, I missed that. And I want to make sure the audience knows. Go ahead. Yeah, so the actual event is June 18th from 12 to 3. We're meeting at the Herc at 12, walking at 12.15. We'll arrive at that WKFL gazebo. Um, and we're going to have kind of like a circle of tables and vendors and might eventually kind of move up into the high school parking lot. So 12 to 3. June 18th. So not this Saturday, but the next Saturday. Correct. Yes. Um, and we're also kind of looking for some people to get involved still. So if you want to figure out how to get involved, you can check out the Homer Pride Facebook page, um, Pride 99603. We have a Google form that's linked there um, for you to fill out if you'd like to be a volunteer. I think we still need some help with like crosswalk guards. Um, we need just like extra hands on the ground helping clean up, pack up. Like Drina said, it's just such a small concentrated group of volunteers. So um, if you want to volunteer your time, that'd be awesome. And then if you're also interested in vending, there's a form for that. And Sochi wanted me to let you all know that it's gonna take about three business days for us to get back to you. So submit your forms now if you wanna be involved, um, just because we're all pretty busy and it takes time for us to go through all those applications. Yeah, and I think the cutoff date for that is uh, Friday, is it the 11th or the 12th? And then we also just had an add-on for um, a karaoke night at the Alibi after our Pride event. So that evening there'll be a 
what they call KJ, a karaoke disc jockey at um, Alibi for the after party. So, you know, it's, um, it's a pretty big event. Do you have an idea of how many people usually attend in Homer? Yeah, I think what we counted last year was um, about 300. Wow. So I am expecting that it's a possibility there could be more people in town this year with you. Um, sometimes we have an overlap with Anchorage's Pride event, and um, this year we do not. So there might be more people looking to come out and celebrate. So I um, do perceive that there could be more, even more this year, which is really exciting for all of us. When is the Anchorage event? Uh, Identity is not hosting a Pride Fest this year in Anchorage. There are tiny, small events that I don't have the details on, but there isn't their large parade and um, Pride Fest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's Pride in the Park in Soldotna, too, that's happening. I don't know if that's already happened. Dorina probably knows more. And then I know Seward has, like, a whole cool week of stuff so like there's definitely statewide pride events I think there, yeah totally there are a couple of events in um seward left i think you'll have to double check there's a seward pride alliance on facebook but their larger part of their celebration was last weekend right. and then soldatna's is um actually friday night june 17th so you can start out in soldatna nice hang out for their pride and then come down to homer and just hit the whole peninsula and get it all at once Oh my gosh, it's a whole queer party. Yeah, the Soldatna event is, uh, yeah, it's Friday, June 17th. Uh, starts at 545 at the um, Soldatna Pride. Uh, the, sorry, the Soldatna Creek Park. Nice. Yeah, and like Drina said, we had quite a turnout last year. Um, and because of the ongoing COVID pandemic and how it um, affects LGBTQ plus and BIPOC folks disproportionately, um, as members of the community, we're asking you to practice safely by having hand sanitizer, bringing a mask, social distancing when possible. Um, we know that our marginalized communities are at a higher risk of encountering many of the economic setbacks already experienced, like unemployment and health care. Um, so we don't want our event to contribute to setbacks and would appreciate all of you helping keep our community safe. So, excuse me, I do have a question and I was kind of running through the questions earlier and Abby said, oh, that might be a difficult question. So I'm not sure how this one's going to go over, (laughs) Um, but I'm wondering what your feelings are about the corporate commodification of Pride Month and gay culture, especially during June? This is such a fun question. Um, (laughs) Four years of WGSS classes, and I still can't really answer it effectively. Um, What is W? Oh, sorry. That was like my tiny college's (laughs) abbreviation. Women's Gender and Sexuality Studies was basically hours and hours of this. Um, I, you know, we all live under a capitalist system, which we know disenfranchises us all, but predominantly those of us who are queer, um, people of color, native, you know. I think it's important to keep in mind, sort of like Lady C mentioned, uh, the first Pride Parade was a protest march. Um, It was a response to the unfair policing of black and brown people, specifically black and brown trans people. And um, it was folks like Marsha P. Johnson who really put themselves 
in a very vulnerable position um, with their personal safety and sort of fought for the rights of queer people and black people at the same time. And they're often forgotten or left out of pride conversations. Uh, we see a lot more Bank of America ads featuring some really smiley white folks um, talking about how they've overcome stigmas in their own lives um, and are now able to be out and queer. Um, I think any representation is better than, well, not any representation. <laughs> representation is better than no representation, typically. So in that way, I think the commodification has led to, you know, greater community awareness of pride and what it means and how to celebrate. Um, but I, like I said, I think we've lost a lot of um, the more radical political elements of what it means to elevate queer voices. So I don't know. <laughs> right. So Stonewall was what, 1969? Um, maybe. That sounds right. I mean, we went to the moon, probably also <laughs> broke down some cultural barriers. I don't know for sure, but let's go with that. So, so what is that? That's 50 years. Mm -hmm. So 50 years from going from pride being a riot mm -hmm. to being this, uh, having another feel yeah. And, and how, you know, that change of, uh, cultural change mm -hmm. in how we view people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, you know, it should be taken as a win in the same way that the legalization of gay marriage should be taken as a win, but it also shouldn't encourage us to be complacent with the status quo. You know, we still know that trans people, like we've all mentioned, don't have access to health care in a lot of their communities. We know that they're less likely to get jobs um, just because of <laughs> transphobia and homophobia. Um, so we shouldn't really rest on our laurels and give ourselves too many pats on the back or accolades because there's still a lot of work to be done for those folks that have been ignored by you know, the pride movement. So it looks like we are, we are, have 15 minutes left. I wanted to make sure I get a couple more questions in. Um, what can someone do as an ally? You know, somebody who's n not part of this community, but. Sure. You know, um, well, I think that one thing that can be done, and actually this kind of goes along with the last question about the, the cat, the, capitalist um, way of, of recognizing, quote unquote, um, pride and selling all the you know, rainbow flags and such, is that it brings up conversation. You know, I mean, when you see lots of um, things in the stores that represent the pride flags or the, all the different, oh my gosh, there's, all, there's flags for every identity on the LGBTQIA spectrum. And um, it brings up conversations to talk about what does that mean? What does this represent? Um, and so I think being an ally, you know, is to be open and listening to people who identify as um, being queer and hearing what they have to say, what their perspectives are, what their experience is, um, and really just being open to it and not having your own preconceived notions. If you want to support queer youth and you don't know how to do so, I welcome you to be a volunteer with Choosing Our Roots. <laughs> <laughs> we are always looking for um, supportive adults, whether you identify as queer or not. Um, just to be supports for our youth in the community. Um, and we actually have chapters all over the state, so if you know folks in Anchorage, the Matsu, or Bethel who are also interested in supporting in the same way, please feel free to um, contact us. And just for anybody that wasn't listening at the beginning, um, can you just give a brief summary of what Choosing Your Roots is? 
Yeah, sure. Or choosing our roots? Correct, yeah. Thanks. Choosing yeah. our roots, yeah. So Choosing Our Roots is a program um, that we uh, we support queer youth in, in trying to set up host homes uh, for queer youth who are experiencing homelessness um, and surround them with supporting, loving community and um, connecting them with safe resources. Um, and, um, and as I was saying, we try to have a whole bunch of volunteers throughout the community. There was discussion earlier on in the conversation about, um, you know, people who are um, Abby was saying, like, successful community members who are out and queer and, you know, can be a great role model. Those are people that we really want to, like, bring into our program to, like, show our queer youth who are struggling and feeling like, I don't know if I can, you know, be myself and in this world and be out and, you know, be successful. And there are so many people who can show that just by being themselves and, you know, representing themselves to, to our youth. All right. Um, we Go about this, we talked about this a little bit at the top too, just um, using correct pronouns um, and being affirming of that uh, is huge. Um, and then also, how to be an ally, get involved in politics. Um, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. know who you're voting for. Learn about the Equality Act. Talk to your local queer leaders and ask how you can help. Um, and then I'm just going to say choosing our roots again, because um, that's such an essential service for sure. You can also come and volunteer at the rec room anytime. <laughs> you know, and uh, we'll say one more thing is that if, if, because a lot of people like when we're trying to learn more about um, a culture or something that we're not really sure of, it might feel kind of weird and confrontational to, you know, ask somebody up front. If you go to the Trevor Project's website, there's all sorts of wonderful information on there. And you can just go and like do some self-directed learning mm -hmm. um, there as well. Yeah, it's not, you know, it shouldn't be on queer people to explain right. or justify their queerness to you. And I would say ditch the skepticism. Um, <laughs> If you're talking to somebody and they share with you what their gender identity is, what their sexual identity is, um, anything about themselves, know that they're the expert of their experience. Uh, they're not lying. They're not doing it for attention. Uh, it's not your job to assess their identity or their presentation. If they say they are queer and they're in a, you know, straight passing relationship, yeah, don't don't comment on it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I do see that we have a. Caller online one. Let me see if I can figure that out. <laughs> Trying to find. <laughs> I don't know if this is set up right. Okay, might have to hold off on that one for a second. Um, I guess I really quick wanted to know, uh, you know, you say, do your homework, do your research. Is there any, anything that, um, like I, a resource that I can find out where, you know, who my legislatures are, if they're supportive or if there's any legislation currently going on, um, regarding these issues.
That's a great question. It sounds like we're. <laughs> um, I would I would say uh, that the Advocates for Youth have put out a really awesome queer toolkit. It's called Queer Now Toolkit, um, and they have. I'm going to be printing these off actually and having them at my table at um, the actual Pride event. But they're little talking cards and little mail-in postcards to support the Equality Act. There's. Um, the Equality Federation's Equality Tracker. So it's actually something that you can sign up for and get updates on um, LGBTQ plus laws and policies that you can take action on in your city and state. Um, and then as always, uh, just uh, checking, oh, I already said it, checking out um, Advocates for Youth, their website, they have so much information on how to get involved and how to you know, check out your local politics. Okay. Uh, if anyone else doesn't have any further comment, I did figure out, well, actually, Josh came in and showed me how to get the caller on line one. So let's see if they're still there. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am. And my name is Candy. And I just want to thank you for the information and for today's show. And I just wanted to comment as we celebrate Pride Month and all people, I just wish everyone the right and the happiness to succeed and live and work happily in our community because when we accept and love one another we all win and i'm just very happy that you've taken the lead and that kbbi is so open to holding discussions because the general public really wants to know more and be more supportive and be a part of making our community and state better for all people. So thank you very much. Yay, Candy. I, I know, Candy. I think I'm, I'm tearing up a little <laughs> oh, bit. We need that, we need that, we need more of that, yes. Yeah, I just, uh, I, I applaud you for what you're doing. It really takes a lot of courage and a lot of love. And um, I just, I really appreciate all the information. and. We are behind you, and we stand with you, and love you very much. So thanks, KBBI. Thank you, Candy. So we have, let's see, we have um, a couple more minutes, seven more minutes. I want to give this time to make sure that, you know, if there's anything that, that you wanted to say or that I have missed, I wanted to hold this space. You know, I'll just say real quick, this is Jane, um, choosing our roots, that, um, well, for one thing, I know that it's a, it can be a big learning process for a lot of folks who are outside of the queer community to kind of come and into learning about what all the different identities are and what does it mean. And again, like I said, there are some great resources. Like I said before, the Trevor Project has some great stuff, but the key thing is just to be willing to open your mind a little mm -hmm. bit and expand your bubble of what you understood as the binary roles in life, um, that there is many more ways that we can live our lives and many more experiences that we don't realize people are experiencing right now and 50 years ago, 100 years ago, that are in existence and we just didn't know about it. And mm -hmm. so it's just a wonderful opportunity to expand our um, knowledge of the world and the people within it. Do you think that the the binary is sort of a, a Western concept? I don't think necessarily. Um, no, I think definitely if we look to, and I'm kind of speaking out of turn, I don't know. <laughs> like I said, WGSS, not so much history or culture, <laughs> but uh, we see examples of queer people throughout history and, you know, 
the two spirit people, uh, Native American tribes, and... True, but that's not Western. Right. That's not Western. Wait, or that is Western? Sorry. No, two spirit is not... Right. But So we see examples of... Okay, no, I'm, I'm tripping myself <laughs> up. I don't, think the, I don't think the binary is a Western construction necessarily, but I do think we have definitely driven it driven it, it home right kind right. of kind of off topic and i still need to maintain space so we can just move on <laughs> well, quickly just, i just will say that like they them pronouns actually used to be the common and right, what right, was actually right. used um and uh gendered pronouns actually is fairly new um like she and and he so like it's kind of interesting how we've evolved and now we're kind of going back again and like um jane said just kind of like opening our minds and understanding that humans are so complex and it's such a wide spectrum and we all show up as we are and to just make sure that we create that space um put up a rainbow flag in your window this month for us <laughs> anyone else any any other sort of last comments or thoughts anything that we might have missed I would just say, um, if you think you don't know any queer people, um, you do. You definitely do. Um, just because folks might not be out uh, doesn't mean that they are not around. Um, so if you think, if you're saying, you know, anti-queer things anywhere, <laughs> um, that is going to reach people that you love and care about, and it's going to hurt, and it's not... Um, gonna go unnoticed and we want to be kind we want to be supportive uh, I would say just practice that as much as you can yeah, yeah for I'm sure. following up Abby with that um, be kind that's actually I know you guys can't see me today but I'm wearing my new rainbow um, baseball cap that says be kind because that's the number one thing that we can do for each other to just take a moment look at what we're saying and if we're preaching hate about anybody that excludes them from feeling safe to be themselves with us and that kindness alone can build all the bridges that we need to keep each other alive it's not even you know to to not hurt someone's feelings we're talking about to keep somebody safe enough on this planet to feel like they're accepted as themselves. And I think when people realize the degree of what's at stake, it maybe helps us to turn that reflection inside a little bit and see where we were taught that hate and whether we wanna make the choice to continue that or not. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much, Darina. I totally agree. Uh, you know, and I'll say too that in terms of, I know Desiree had asked something earlier about uh, whether there's any kickback um, from parents when, um, you know, we're trying to provide services that are gender affirming for um, their youth. And, uh, you know, we'll say that, well, we have to have parents sign off to agree to have that young person in, to, in a host home. So we are not like taking kids out of their homes and putting them with a stranger. It's all agreed upon with the parents. And oftentimes what people need is just a little space to let that like new awareness of who their family is and, and they need a little space to figure that out. And that's gonna be true with anything in your life. You know, if somebody that you love suddenly tells you something that you didn't know about them that didn't like match what you thought, you might just need a little bit of space to step away and get some breath and go, okay, I can pull this into my knowledge of who they are now 
and you know we'll come back and, and reconvene and be a family under one roof again. So sometimes it's just a little space. And so if you need that space, you know that's something that core or choosing our roots can do. But you can also, you know, try to find that space yourself without um, moving away from people that you love. So I think I'm going to end it at that. Uh, thank you so much to all the guests that came in. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Desiree. And I want to remind the listeners that you are tuned to KBBI Homer AM 890. This has been The Coffee Table. Support for Coffee Table comes from Pier 1 Theater, Homer's Community Theater, supporting community voices. Schedules and information on Pier 1 Productions at 226-2287 and pier1theater.org.